Hello and welcome to the Sunday Shakeout. I'm your host, Nicholas, and today I interview trail runner, freelance photographer, videographer, and overall gem in the running space, Nick Danielson. In this episode, Nick and I discuss his journey and evolution as a freelance photographer, how he combined his passion of trail running and design, collaborating with some of the top trail runners and brands in the world of running, filming a documentary with Killian Jornet Borgata, and so much more. If you are new to the Sunday Shakeout, welcome! This podcast offers engaging interviews with a variety of voices throughout the sport and insightful training discussions. My goal is to help you become the runner you know you can become, ignite your passion for the sport, and hopefully impart lessons not only to help you get faster, but also contribute to personal growth. The Sunday Shakeout is taking strides to highlight individuals at every level of the sport and make the running world a better and happier place. Before we get into today's episode, if you haven't already, please consider giving this podcast a follow and five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. That goes a long way in helping support the growth of the Sunday Shakeout and also, you know, making me happy. Anyway, without further delay, please enjoy my conversation with Nick Danielson. Nick Danielson, welcome to the Sunday Shakeout. It's an absolute pleasure to have you on today. First question, just how are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks for having me. I got a little jog in this morning at Tiger Mountain, one of my favorite spots to get some training miles in. And uh, yeah, having a pretty relaxing day otherwise. Yeah, that sounds great. I've been to Tiger Mountain before. Um, it's it's a pretty beautiful place, I gotta say. Um, so yeah, that's pretty cool. So Nick, you currently, or I currently go to Seattle Prep, uh, phenomenal mm-hmm. high school, by the way. Uh, I just wanted to get this uh, little part out of the way. I know your dad, Mr. Danielson, works there. I think he teaches the media literacy class, and he runs like the Ignite yearbook program. So are you an alum there? I am, yeah. Uh, proud uh, 2012 alum. Um, yeah, I, uh, I went to Seattle Prep and Actually, we can, you know, probably get into this later, but um, I was part of yearbook at Seattle Prep as well, uh, and that's kind of where I fell in love with photography. So uh, I like to give my dad all credit for uh, my career. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, why don't we just get into that? So obviously, um, you know, you're a trail runner um, and you're a photographer, videographer, you create (laughs) awesome media like that. and what makes you unique is I've only had runners on the podcast before. Obviously, they have mm. other professions too, or they have school, like the high schoolers I've had on. But I haven't had a guest like you who has combined their crafts with their love of running. So can you kind of just share your story of how you discovered your connection between your love for uh, visual arts, the Ignite yearbook program, and then your passion for trail running? Yeah, it's, you know, it's kind of cool. It actually was uh, fairly parallel. So I was part of cross country freshman year uh, at Seattle Prep. And um, I kind of hated it. I really didn't like it. And um, I wish I would have put more time and effort into it. But I was more interested in just hanging out in the elliptical room with my friends and socializing. And so I only did like one or two meets and I didn't try very hard. And I kind of stopped running after that. Um, but then like at the same time I was discovering just a real curiosity for photography and I jumped into yearbook and started, you know, documenting sports games and events and assemblies and stories and, um, kind of near the end of high school, I started 
getting back into running just a little bit. Um, but one of the things that really appealed to me was running on trails in our backyard here in the Cascades uh, so that I could access beautiful places to take photos. And so a lot of times I would get up early, I'd drive out uh, to the Cascades and I would you know, do a dawn patrol or something um, to try to get into the most beautiful, most scenic, picturesque place as quickly as possible so that I could take uh, photos there. Um, and so it was cool because I kind of one enabled the other. Um, and as I started running on trails more, I started, I was also kind of falling more in love with photography at the same time. Right. Yeah. That's, that's very interesting. So it's almost like running wasn't something that like you, uh, immediately fell in love with, but you realized that, you know, there are multiple parts of the sport. It's not just cross country and track, uh, road racing, like, the sport can be for a lot of different types of people. There are many different domains in which you can kind of enjoy the sport. So like you went to prep, you went mm -hmm. to Western Washington University. Uh, what did you get your degree in? Uh, I studied design there. So visual, you know, like traditionally known as graphic design. Um, I applied when I was applying for majors there, I kind of thought, you know, I already know there everything there is to know about photography, which was very naive at the time. Um, but I I walked away from you know high school thinking I had a great photography portfolio and a lot of experience. And even if it was naive, um, I am really glad that's how I felt because I loved learning photography through experience instead of formal education. Design, on the other hand, I needed the guidance for. I really needed the education, and so getting the proper degree in graphic design at Western was, um, was a really amazing experience. And, uh, yeah, it was a really fun way to like kind of diversify my, my visual skill set. Right. So you graduated from Western Washington. Um, what was kind of your path after Western Washington? Like, obviously you're kind of a freelance photographer. You don't seem to be like employed by this, like one major company. And you said there's like photography. You had a little bit of like, you were a little bit naive. You said you kind of thought you like knew what there was to know about photography. And I do think for sure that kind of like just diving deep and trying to figure it out for yourself can be kind of big. And so what was kind of your path after uh, Western Washington to kind of uh, get work to where you are today? So during uh, my time at Western, um, even though I was pursuing, you know, a degree in design um, as well as a degree in marketing, I spent all of my free time um, as a photographer working for the local publications. So the on-campus publications, kind of the equivalent of the yearbook there, they're like newspaper. Um, I freelanced for the Bellingham Herald, like the newspaper in Bellingham. Um, I picked up any assignments I could get otherwise. Um, and that was kind of like my job through college. Um, and so I spent tons of time uh, just continuing to hone the craft and get more experience. And then meanwhile, I got super, super integrated with the photojournalism program, the um, degree and the people that were in the degree at Western. And I'm so thankful for that experience. Um, I became a much better photographer through that, you know, four years of experience um, so when I graduated, I actually was looking for newspaper jobs. I was like, I want to be, you know, a, a classic um, newspaper photographer that's doing good journalism, that's telling stories. 
Um, and I don't know how familiar you are with the journalism industry, but there, there, it's pretty hard to get jobs and there's not a lot of money in it. Um, but it's a really cool industry and it's where I think a lot of the best work is being done. Um, and so graduating, I tried to get some jobs as a newspaper photographer, didn't get any of them. And I wound up landing at um, a really small marketing agency as a designer. And I was kind of the in-house designer. I did everything. Like on some days I was designing emails and eBooks and like other boring things like that. And some days I was like making motion graphics and I was redesigning our website. And since I was the only designer, I kind of just got like tossed in and did everything. And uh, it was a, it was a great experience. Um, but then after a few years of that, the company was purchased by a much larger company. And I really enjoyed working with that small group environment of just, there were like 12 to 16 of us, depending on the year. Um, I didn't want to go work at a 2000 person company. And so I kind of used that um, to like kickstart my freelance career um, and kind of dive into, okay, let's see if this works for at least one year. And then I can reassess at the end of that year. Um, and it was cool. I looked back on my like very first freelance invoice um, a few months ago, and it was for the radio company, the radio station KUW, um, you know, the NPR radio station in yeah. Seattle, which my mom worked at for 18 years. Um, and I was uh, 18, and that was like my first paid freelance assignment. Um, and so it was cool because even though, you know, I went to school for design and then I was a marketing uh, or I was a designer at a marketing firm for a few years, that whole time I was still picking up freelance work. So it made a lot of sense that when I kind of left that company, um, the most natural thing to do was start freelancing after that. Yeah. Well, that's really cool. So it wasn't like a huge, like direct path, like out of college, you immediately uh, knew what you were going to do, but you still were kind of doing some freelancing stuff here, here and there. So how do you stay inspired and just continue evolving as a photographer and designer and cinematographer within the trail running scene, even after doing it for such a long time? It's a good question. I think I'm always trying to figure out like the, the best answer to that. I, I think and I think that's probably in itself the answer is like, I think I just try to stay as curious as possible. Um, and I think not being afraid of consuming content um, is, has been really valuable for me. And so I think, you know, seeking out the different places that you feel really inspired and then continuing to pursue more of those things. And a lot of times it's not in the trailer in the industry. A lot of times it's, from different industries like fashion or it's um, other sports or um, you, you know, watch a documentary that has nothing to do with sports at all. And it inspires you in so many different ways. And um, the more I think you can hold on to those like little tidbits of inspiration, um, the more they just kind of like uh, they create this like archive of inspiration that you can go back to, you know, year after year. Um, and then I think the other thing on top of that, and like knowing those sources, so like whether it's a person on Instagram that you just love following, that you think is like the best, or it's um, like a body of work in, from the past that you keep going back to or something like that, like having those resources is really critical. Um, but then on top of that, I think having some form of like community or people or um, p 
peers around you to, to like bounce things off of and continue to get inspired with. And a lot of times for me, that's like, um, since I am a freelancer and I don't have like, you know, coworkers sitting next to me every day, it's like a creative director at like one of the companies I work for, or it's like another filmmaker that I work with occasionally. And I really love that camaraderie and getting to chat with those folks, whether it's in the middle of a project or just out on a run or something. Yeah. So you talk about camaraderie and community and getting to work with other people. And you mentioned in one of your first jobs, you were kind of working with a company, a large number of people, and you were kind of just a number. And so you said you kind of liked working with a smaller group of people. Um, Mm -hmm. And that may be thought of a couple of weeks ago, I think Brooks posted on Instagram, some content promoting Blake Slattengren, um, Mm -hmm. trail runner for Brooks. Um, how he'll be running at Western States later this year. Um, I got to say it was a pretty uh, pretty sick just piece of content in general. Uh, in the Thanks, contents, man. someone asked, uh, comments, someone asked if it was your work and you confirmed it was. So can you just share some like the insights um, into the collaborative process, working with top trail runners and brands and just conveying their stories through your lens? Like how is your personal experience as a runner like impact how you connect? Yeah, I mean, that, you know, that was a a really fun little piece. And I think um, it's a good example of how different a lot of these projects can be. And so that one, Blake is a new trail athlete. Um, I've actually never worked with Brooks before. um, And it was kind of a really quick uh, turnaround project. And um, they kind of gave me a creative brief. And I went out and had a fair amount of freedom, um, just based on previous work. Uh, to then just go hang out with Blake for a little bit and kind of get it done. Um, but so often it, it really depends on the people at the company and how much, um, like how much they want to be involved in those things. And so one of the companies that work for the most is this brand called Normal. Um, and their creative director, um, has like a really, really, uh, like kind of specific idea of what the brand voice should be. Um, And so that means that he's super involved with my work when I'm creating this content. Um, I think that's really fun because then that there's a lot of collaboration there. Then I get to feel like I'm kind of like responsible for um, pushing the brand voice in a direction. Um, But then there's plenty of other times that uh, with these brands, it's like really just kind of high level And uh, they give you a lot of like freedom or they kind of have a scope and then they just send you off to do kind of the task. Um, So it, it depends, you know, brand to brand so much. Um, But then when I think you, you know, the second part of your question, when you get to like that athlete level, um, working with the athletes, a lot of times it, you know, it takes me back to like my photojournalism roots when I was shooting for newspapers, when I was like um, working as a freelance photographer and, and telling really kind of like strict journalistic style. It's, it's really fun because a lot of those muscles that I used to use during that um, get used during this process. And so it's just a lot of observing and documenting and following these folks around, um, which has been a really fun like aspect of the job. Cause I get to meet these folks and get to hang out with them. And, um, and they're like pretty much always really cool and interesting. Yeah. That's very interesting. I find that um, that experience of learning that some of the stuff that you've learned in the past with your prior experience 
it carries over and there's something to be said mm-hmm. for just going out there and wanting to learn more information. Cause I think that the average person totally. would be kind of surprised by how much, you know, just having experience and learning and how much that carries over to other aspects of their life. Um, you know, I found that just by listening to like, I don't know, like modern wisdom podcast with like Chris <laughs> Williamson, that carries over really well to like my podcasting journey and my running journey. Um, and obviously your domain is much more specific. Um, but I think that really does have a big carryover. Uh, now on your Instagram feed, uh, and this was a little while ago, but you had this reel with, uh, Killian Jornet, uh, probably arguably one of the greatest trail runners in the world right now. Um, and so that sparked a little bit of curiosity in me and I looked it up and you actually filmed a documentary with him about his shoe line that he was creating, um, all of his ultra races. So that was like 2022, I think. Um, but now that it's been in the memory bank for a little while, can you walk me through what that experience was like and uh, what went into filming that documentary? Yeah. So it kind of goes back to um, this one race called hard rock um, that happens in Colorado Um, and not last year, but the year before um, I had a friend, his name is Max Romy that I've worked with in the past. um, Who's also a Western grad. Uh, He started shooting for this brand new company called normal, which is Killian's shoe company that he kind of launched. And um, that, that race hard rock is this beautiful mountainous hundred mile race. And uh, Max asked me to join so that I could help document the story of Killian and this other runner, Dakota Jones racing through the mountains of Colorado. And that was kind of like my dry run with, with the brand. And a lot of times this happens with these brands is you go out and you, you do one shoot with them and they see how they like you and they see how you fit with the brand. And then they ask you to come back if, um, if it's a good fit. And so, um, I was just lucky enough to get the call from Max to come out and shoot and it happened to go well. And, um, we made a lot of great content out of it. And then that kind of kicked off a really strong relationship with the brand. Um, and so kind of flash forward to last year, um, it was their uh, that was the end of their like first full year of being a company. And uh, the company, Normal, wanted to tell the story of how Killian decided to start the, the brand, um, as well as how that first year went. And so um, they came to me and they said, you know, you know the brand fairly intimately now, and you've had a, a lot of experience with uh, kind of the brand voice and the people of the brand and everything. Um, let's make a film. And it, it's funny, the first pitch was let's make a 10 minute film about this first year and Killian's, you know, transition into, uh, into this company. And it's, it ended up turning into a 40 minute film. Um, but a lot of that was because we sat Killian down and did this interview with him that ended up being bless his heart, like a three and a half hour. <laughs> like we had so many questions. We wanted to talk about why he left Solomon, why he started his own company we wanted to talk about his aspirations. And then we went through race by race, everything for that first year of normal um, and had him retell what that was like. Uh, and so it was like, I don't remember. It was pretty late uh, in Norway. And he, he just was such a champ. He was clearly an, an amazing endurance athlete 
for that performance alone for staying up for that interview for so long. But um, he sat down, he kind of told the whole story. And by the end of that interview, I realized, I think this needs to be a lot longer of a film. And so that's when I pitched the company on, hey, instead of a 10 minute film, I think we need to make a 30 or a 40 minute film. Um, and we can break it into chapters and we can iterate on it. But I think it just needs to be longer. If people really want to know this story, then we might as well give it to them in a longer format. Um, so then that kind of kicked off uh, this much bigger project than we had planned on um, and a lot of editing um, and going back and getting all the footage from the previous year and kind of figuring out the best way to tell that story after that. That's that's very interesting. So how long did it take in total, like the entire documentary to like make? Yeah, so if we're just talking about from like when it was concepted to um, when it was finished, it was about six months. Um, but that was after a full year of uh, filming. So that that's after everything had been shot. Um, and, you know, I, I didn't film everything. I was working with the content that they already had. And so they had filmmakers at these meetings that were like right when normal was starting. They brought in some filmmakers and documented it. And then through each race, I was at some of the races and then other races, they had different filmmakers. And so I had a ton of content to work from, which was really cool. Um, and that was a pretty new experience for me. It was working with that much content that wasn't my own because I normally kind of shoot everything, edit everything. Um, and in this scenario, we were pulling from a full year of, of storytelling and then from there needed to edit that in. So, yeah, I think it was like uh, probably about six months or so um, to actually edit and make everything. That's pretty incredible, making a six-month-long production. Um, now, Nick, do you have any like future aspirations that you hope to – like? I guess, aim for, obviously there are so many different things you could be doing in the world of uh, design, photography, in the world of trail running, especially, but do you have any like goals that you're like setting your mind to in the future years? Because to me, at least, if you can work with Killian and people like that, brands like that, like seems like the sky's the limit, but what do you think? Yeah. I mean, this is something I think I ask myself every year and I, uh, I I always want to have a little bit more of a game plan. I always wish that I had a five-year plan or a 10-year plan for the creative content, but um, so much of it can be so reactive and so much of it is based on what's going on in the world and uh, based on what you know these brands or these people or these events are doing. Um, and so I think for me, a lot of it's like continuing to just grow as a filmmaker. I think it's the, the category that I'm most interested in pushing myself. Um, and I think I love being in the trail running sport and I would love to continue to make trail running documentaries that are hopefully interesting and hopefully uh, kind of different than trail running films we've seen in the past. But I also love working in other industries and I love working with other sports or not athletes. Um, I mean, this is where those photojournalist roots come back up. Um, you know, I would love to tell some stories that aren't in the trail running space. And I would love to spend some time on some, some, some stories that maybe aren't sponsored by a brand. Um, things that I'm just really interested in stories that I go find and I get to tell kind of that that story visually in a way that is really interesting to me. So 
I feel like I kind of like walked around that question, but uh, I think probably I, the best answer is I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, I'm just going to, I think probably continue doing the things that are exciting to me. I love this idea of not necessarily focusing like on totally like, Oh, I have all these future goals. Like I need to hit this. I want to work with this company. I like this idea of just like wanting to grow in your domain, wanting to focus on like, kind of like, why do you do this? Like photography and um, design and storytelling, like you do it because you want to tell a story and you want to bring light to the trail running space. And I love how you're, when you're setting your goals and you're kind of looking at your, your future aspirations, you're not looking at where can I, you know, make the money? Where can I go work with these big companies? You're looking at how can I grow and better myself as a storyteller? I think that's pretty huge. Now, I kind of want to transition over to your journey as a runner. Um, so first off, just what does your training look like? Obviously, you probably have a pretty busy schedule. Um, so yeah, we'll just start with that question. Yeah, I wish I had a little bit more strict of a regimen, but um, I am kind of all over the place. Like this is a great example of like um, the last couple of weeks, I think I was doing like 10 to 20 mile weeks. And then this week I did like a 70 mile week. Oh, wow. Um, I think it's for me, since I'm not very performance based, I'm not really looking to go out and uh, crush any big races or, or compete. Um for the most part, it's, it's really just a passion and it's, I do, I, I run when I want to and how far I want to, I run really socially. Um, and so I go out with friends and that's a lot of times where I get myself into trouble is, you know, you say yes to every friend that wants to run that week. And then all of a sudden you're running this massive week. Um, but I think there's always a goal of like trying to maintain about a little bit of a base for like, you know, maybe 20 miles a week. Um, because for a lot of the projects I'm working on, I do need to run a fair amount. Um, and the cool thing is that it's a little bit of a seasonal cadence. So spring picks up and I usually start running more. I start getting closer to like 40 to 50 miles every single week, you know, flexing up a little bit longer. And it's a lot of, you know, just long, slow distance. It's a lot of just going out and running trails. Um, I live pretty close to Discovery Park, so I spend a lot of days at Discovery Park when I can't make it out to the mountains. Uh, but that's all kind of, uh, it's both because I love running because I want to continue to stay fit and continue to do it. And it's also because uh, if I want to be running with a lot of these athletes, I need to at least have some like amount of fitness. Um, and so then, you know, I kind of, I like, I kind of ramp up into the summer and then the summer I usually just spend lots of time on my feet. Like I'm doing long days, but not necessarily fast. A lot of times I'm running with other athletes while they're, they're racing hundred mile races. So they're moving oh, wow. uh, a lot slower, uh, but they're still moving a very impressive speed. And so um, I just kind of am out there for hours and hours with them. Um, and then kind of near the end of the season, things start to taper off a little bit. And in the fall, um, I start slowing down and then most of winter I spend ski touring. So like backcountry skiing, um, usually my volume for running drops off a lot. Um, and I spend way more time split boarding in the mountains, uh, which is a great, like kind of cross training. Like I have an aerobic base, I get a lot of strength training from it. And then kind of going back in the spring again, I feel fairly fit and the transitions usually pretty easy. 
Yeah, there's something to be said for runners not, you know, you don't have to put all of your time into running. There are other ways sure. to also gain aerobic fitness and to better yourself as an endurance athlete because ultimately, if you just say to yourself, oh, I'm just a runner, that's not going to get you too many places and it's also going to lead to burnout. So I like this idea totally. of um, just joining the sport of running and being in the sport of running for uh, passion. Uh, now, you mentioned shooting at some of these like 100-mile races with some of these big athletes. What does mm. that process look like? Because obviously, a 100-mile race, that could take – Yeah, I mean, yeah, it does take basically the entire day. Uh, depends on, I guess, the start time, but probably into the nighttime too. So what does a shooting look like that uh, look like for those type of races? And then, you know, if you have like Mother Nature, like that's got to be terrible. So can you talk about that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is uh... – so versatile there is it it looks so different depending on the race and the athletes and the day and the terrain um but a lot of times for there's kind of like i usually think of these as like two different kinds of races there's like the mountain races and then there's the non-mountain races and mm -hmm. uh, hard rock when i was talking about is a great example of one of the mountain races and for that it looks like you know, you start at the start with them and you're, you're there documenting all the way up until that moment that they're starting. Um, and it's really exciting and you feel all these nerves and then they say go and they run off and you, your feet are like adrenaline's pumping. You're like really excited to like start working and you realize you might not see them again for like four more hours or even longer because these races are so long and so remote sometimes. And so then uh, you end up driving usually with their crew um, to some remote aid station. And so you drive a few hours and then you wait for them there. And then you, you run through that aid station with them. So a lot of times I'll run down the, the course a little bit um, and then run them into the aid station, document that and then run out the aid station. And you tend to do that as many spots as you can to tell the story of their, their race. I think one of the really cool things about, this kind of project is that you have so much more content to work with, with track or with um, shorter distances with marathons, even it's, it's like over in the blink of an eye. So you have like, you know, the start, maybe you see them midway through the race and the finish and that's it with a hundred mile race. You have a day, like a full day to like go get them sometimes a day and a half. And, uh, and it's really cool because you get to see them go through all these emotional swings. And then something that um, I like to do if I have the option is I sometimes will pace the, the runner as well. And so um, pacers in the ultra sport act as this um, support for a long period of time that, um, you know, you run a section of the course with your athlete and you make sure they're motivated. You make sure that they're staying on top of their nutrition you make sure that um, they're staying on course, like doing all of those things as these runners get into the later miles and they start to get tired and delirious and sometimes they start to hallucinate. And so having someone there to help you get through that is really critical. Um, now, for a lot of the athletes I'm working with, they don't really need me at all, but um, <laughs> it's a great opportunity to, to create a ton of content. And so I'll go out and pace 10 or 20 miles with these runners through you know wow. mile 50 to 60 or 60 to 80 or something like that um and i get to just like shoot to my heart's content out there which is super fun um and then i get picked up you know at that next aid station and then i usually you know 
go to the finish and then document them coming through the finish. Um, and so that, that's kind of what that looks like at a lot of ultras or a lot of, you know, hundred mile races for some of the faster ones, um, like that aren't quite in the mountains. A lot of times, like there's this one Havelina hundred that I've shot the last three years that is a 20 mile loop around the same course in Arizona. And, um, that one, they always come back to the same aid station. So you stand there and you photograph them at the start, they go run 20 miles, photograph them again, they go run 20 miles. And then the last three years, I've been fortunate enough to jump in for the fourth or fifth lap. And so I run the 20 miles with them, come back, and then photograph them finishing. Um, so a lot of it's just like getting out there as much as possible. And um, a lot of times I'm shooting both photo and video. So I, I'll usually run with one camera. Um, sometimes I'll have a couple extra lenses in my vest. Um and I'm sometimes running ahead and shooting or like waiting for them to get a little ways out and shooting to get some landscape and then try to catch up. Um, and then when they get to the aid stations, it's just like a little bit of like mayhem. There's like, you know, their crew is changing out their water bottles. They're uh, getting more nutrition. They're doing all these things. And they're trying to be as fast as possible. And so you're just trying to document that whole thing um, and then kind of run out with them. Yeah, that's, that's like otherworldly because you talked about like the marathon, the 5k, you know, track races, it's very much like snap of a finger and it's over. Whereas mm -hmm. I feel like the ultra marathon, you know, I saw this one quote, like marathon is life. And then I saw this other quote that was like, no, the ultra marathon is life because it's just like so much of a mental battle. Um, so much more complexity nutrition wise, like you're not going to see the marathon world record holder, like ever stop during the race. Um, yeah. It's just going to be like flyby nutrition. Um, so obviously your role there is huge, definitely a labor of love for you. And for any listeners mm -hmm. who are like, I guess, listening to this episode, maybe they're starting their passion of photography and um, design, and they kind of also want to integrate that with their passion of running, maybe even trail running. What advice would you give to those people? Yeah, I mean, I think that maybe for those people specifically that are in that that scenario, like I think you're already doing it and that's like pursuing the thing you love. Like really when you're curious about something and you're excited about it, you have so much more creative energy and so much more potential. And so for me, that was just running and, and really beautiful spaces and trail running. And I just had so much motivation to to work on these projects because I loved it. And I think that's the really cool thing about creative work is that you get to do these things that you love. And when you get to tell a story or do the craft that you love about something that you love, it's really, really cool. Now, burnout is always something that we try to combat during these things. And it is dangerous to be doing, to turn something that you love into work. Um, and so I think making sure to balance that and keeping yourself in check and, and um, finding ways to add variety to your life are critical. And so a lot of my work is in the trail running space, but I also have some clients that are in the biotech world, or I have some clients that are in like the tech industry, or um, I, I do a little bit of ski photography or like things like that. And I think if nothing else, it's just really critical to keep you um, like creatively engaged. So then you're switching gears and you're doing different things and you're not just taking photos of people's feet over and over and over again while they run. <laughs> and I, I think that's like 
that's like something that's kept me really motivated through my career. So I, I, uh, pretty early on in my career, I was told you have to hyper-specialize. Like you have to do one thing and do that thing really specifically. Um, and I like hated that advice. I like threw all that advice out the window and I fully believe that I think hyper-specialization works great. You know, if you want to be a really specific kind of photographer in a really specific industry and just be that kind of photographer, then, you know, that is a tactic. But personally for me, finding variety and becoming a little bit of a Swiss army knife and learning all these different skills um, has made it so much more fun for me and kept me motivated. And then it's also given me the opportunity to work on so many different projects, so many different places with cool people. Um, And, you know, here I am a trail running photographer that specifically runs and takes photos. So I've kind of hyper-specialized in a way, but I think that aside, like I, I love getting to do all the different things that I get to do on a day-to-day basis. And uh, that's probably what I'd recommend to anyone getting into it. That was greatly put. I cannot add to that <laughs> in any way. Um, yeah. Just variety is the spice of life. Yeah. Uh, well, Nick, thank you so much for coming on the Sunday shakeout today you provided a perspective that I think is very unique and I think will be very insightful for the listeners. So thanks so much for coming on. You're welcome back anytime and uh, have a great day. Good luck in any future endeavors. Thanks, Nicholas. Uh, Yeah. Thanks for having me on and uh, hopefully talk soon. Thank you for listening to episode 67 of the Sunday Shakeout. I hope this episode was insightful. I thoroughly enjoyed my conversation with Nick. He provides a perspective that a lot of people simply don't have access to. You know, we're working our jobs and we often don't get to see some of the behind the scenes work of many other domains in the running space. When we think of, you know, what people do in the running space, well, there's professional runners and there's coaches, but you know, that's not true. There's so much more to the running space and the beauty of the sport of running is that no matter who you are, what you like, there is likely a place for you. It's not just about the road uh, or the track or cross country You don't have to sign up for a marathon. You don't have to sign up for a 5K. You can make it your own. You can sign up for an ultra marathon. You could sign up for a trail race. You could do pretty much anything. So I hope this episode was insightful and shared some words of wisdom with you guys. If you enjoyed this episode of the Sunday Shakeout, please consider following or subscribing to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. I would also greatly appreciate a review in Apple Music, Spotify, and wherever else you find your podcasts. And um, yeah. Hope you all really enjoy your weekend and hope you all really have a great rest of your day and peace out. This is the Sunday Shakeout.